talking about the switch of faith. Hebrews 4 is where we're going to begin to tap into the kingdom of God, guys. I got to, once again, I got to hear the word of God. I got to obey the word of God. But I also got to learn to believe the word of God. Now, in saying that, Mark eleven twenty four says, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I understand fully with this verse that it says, And whatever things you ask when you pray, but I believe one of the keys that we miss is do we believe we receive when we pray? Because if I don't believe I'm going to receive, there's really no uh, purpose or, or reason to pray. Now, this is the Bible, guys. Now, I've done this before. I've prayed and I prayed out of hope. But he tells us right here. And so when you ask God, you got to get over in your heart. I believe I receive. It plays a huge role. Actually, when you get saved, this is Romans 10 verse 9. How do you get saved? You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. Now, I believe this at times as churches and even in my own life. We've led on that all you got to do is say this prayer after me. But in reality, if I don't believe in my heart what I'm praying, I really wonder if we get saved. You say, "Uh uh-oh. All I got to do is go back and once again, in prayer, if I don't believe that I receive, you know what happens? My prayers don't get answered. Period. Even with salvation, I believe this is big, that we've got to get over and believe the Word of God and believe we receive. Now, we're going to hit on that just for a little bit here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise and assurance remains of entering his rest. You know what I believe his rest is? His way of doing things. When you start doing God's things the way he desires, there's going to be a rest. And so there, there's a promise remains of entering rest. Least, let us fear lest any of you seem come short of it. For indeed the gospel, the good news, was preached to us as well as to them. But the word or the gospel which they heard did not profit them. Now, I look at this and I think they heard the word, but it didn't profit them. Now, I think about this in my own life, guys. There's been times I've heard the word, and I've heard the word, and I've heard the word, but the word did not profit me. So understand, it's just not in hearing the word. So what, what, what happens that the word did not profit us? Keep reading here in this verse, verse 2. That they heard, but they did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So here the Amplified says that the word faith is described as an absolute trust or an absolute confidence. So here's what I see this for every one of our lives. When we hear the word and the word does not profit us, profit us, 
there's a good possibility that we didn't mix it with faith. What do we mean mix it with faith? We didn't believe it. We didn't believe we received. Now, in saying that, in, in Mark 5, this is the passage with the, the woman with the issue of blood. This passage says this woman had this infirmity for 12 years. But when she heard about Jesus, so she heard about the word, she heard the word, just like we do. But the difference in this is she mixed it with faith. How do I know that? Because it said when she heard about Jesus, she said with her mouth, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. So what happened was the, the manifest, manifestation of her faith, what happened? It got into her mouth. Then the next thing she had said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. So she goes, she acts on what she heard. So guess what? Her mouth and her actions agree. Now ultimately in Mark 5, 34, Jesus himself said this. He said, daughter, your faith, has made you whole. Your faith. So you know what this tells me? That when she heard the word of God, she mixed what she heard with faith, and there became a result. Now this is big for me and you that, that we understand this. Now if you'll remember when we started this series several months ago, it seems like, I talked about this 13-year-old girl who saw her nephew or her cousin Drowned at the bottom of the pool. And the mother is hysteric. Screaming, call 911, call 911. This 13 year old on the diving board looks at the end and says, You don't need to call 911. We just need to pray to Jesus. And remember, she looked at the boy at the bottom of the pool and said, You'll live and not die. Now when I think about this, this is a woman or a teenage girl who understood, I believe I receive what I ask. There was no thinking. And so this is where we've got to get to, guys. Where when I begin to speak the word, I begin to pray, I believe I receive. But too many times, myself, I haven't treated prayer this way. And so he tells us right here a secret ingredient. Verse 5. For we who have believed do enter that rest. When we believe. Now, go over to your right a little bit to 1 John 5. You'll go through James and the Peters and then you're going to hit 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. I want to give you some scriptures here to understand. I've got to begin to mix faith. Sometimes we really don't understand even what faith is. This I believe will help us. This verse right here. 1 John 5. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence, the assurance that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And so here, here's what you see in this. We must understand my confidence comes from the Word of God. He said that we can have a confidence that if anything we ask, it's according to His will, He hears us. So the question arises here. What's His will? You know what His will is? The Word. 
That's why it's very important that you find out what Scripture said. When you find out with Scripture, guess what? You can now ask God according to His will. And so you know what I like to say His will is? We come into agreement with His plan. And so He says here, there becomes a confidence. In other words, when I go and pray, I can pray with a confidence. Keep reading. Verse 15. And if we know, one translation says, if you positively know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. We know, we know, we know, we know. And so here's the thing. Faith is birthed out of the word of God. How do you know that? Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more I hear the Word of God, the more there's going to become a knowing on the inside of me. And so when I understand what God's will is, I just begin to get in agreement with that. And I begin to pray that, and I begin to believe that. Now, think about some of the passage we've talked about lately. Remember when Peter last week in Luke 5, the Lord said to him, to, to let out your nets for a catch? Peter caught those fish, but you know how he caught those fish? He acted on what Jesus said. Jesus said, Peter, if you'll let down those nets for a catch. And so all Peter did was he acted on the word of God. God's will. Jesus told him his will. Remember when Peter walked on the water? All Peter did is he acted on the word of God. What was that? Well, remember Peter looked at the Lord and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on this water. And what did Jesus say? Come, come. So what did Peter do in those situations? He understood Jesus' will because Jesus expressed it to him. And then guess what he did? He got into agreement. Now, think about this. Mark 9, or Matthew 9, it says... Be unto you according to you have, how have you believed. Be unto you according to how you've believed. Now, in both of those situations that I just read you, the laws of the kingdom of God, the laws of the word of God, they superseded this natural realm. How did that happen? Remember, Peter said, Lord, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. We've caught nothing. In other words, they're not biting. The water's murky. The water pressure's too high. But when Jesus said, let down your nest. Now remember what Peter replied to him? He said, Lord, nevertheless, even what the laws of, of nature are saying right now, nevertheless, at your word. So once again, the things of this earth don't have to agree with the word of God. When Peter walked on the water, do you think that agreed with the laws of the earth? No. I'm telling you, gravity says you can't do that. But when Jesus speaks the law of the kingdom of God, the laws of the word of God, they supersede this. That's why it's very important that I begin to understand the word of God and begin to act on it. Now, in saying that, the key is tonight that every one of us in here, we get when we pray... We know that the Word of God is going to work. We know it's going to happen. Now go with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Now as you're turning there, listen, i got to get into faith. 
What's faith? I got to have that knowing. I got to have that knowing like that 13-year-old girl did. And so many times, guys, in my own life, I've treated prayer like a lucky charm. I've pre treated prayer like a lottery. You know what I'm talking about? I sure hope this works. Wouldn't it be nice if something happened this time? Now, how many of you ever prayed that? Every one of us. But remember what Jesus said in Mark 11, 24? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. I got to get to the place in my life where I locate my faith. Now, the, the, the example of reality here is the Word of God. The example of reality, guys, isn't that I have Philippians 4.19 written on my check. The example of reality is not that I have a fish emblem on the back of my car or I wear a, a Jesus freak t-shirt. The example of reality comes from the Word of God and then when I begin to, to believe, I receive. And so that happens from hearing the Word of God. That doesn't happen overnight, guys, when I begin to saturate in the Word of God. That's why the Bible says, meditate on the Word therein day and night. What happens when I do that? Man, faith starts rising. And not only faith, my mind starts being renewed to the Word of God. Now, here we are in, in Mark chapter 10. Begin with me in verse number 46. Mark 10, 46. Now, they came to Jericho... And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, the reason I highlight that is remember what was said about the woman with the issue of blood just a few pages back in Mark 5. When she heard about Jesus. So anytime I hear the things about Jesus, you know what it's going to do on the inside of me? It's going to birth faith. So when blind, Marta, blind Bartimaeus heard about Jesus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So when blind Bartimaeus, he, he hears that it's Jesus, man, I'm telling you, something moves on the inside of him. He begins to cry out. Guys, when I read this cry out, I don't believe he is very attentive, hesitant. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It says he cried out. I'm, I'm telling you guys, I believe it was probably like a life and death shriek from the top of his lungs. He began to shout out. Now verse 48. Then many warned him to be quiet. Shut up. But he cried out all the more. Son of David have mercy on me. Now when I read this guys. When the people told him to be quiet. It didn't discourage him. It didn't distract him. It took him to another gear. And you know what I saw in this? He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what their opinion was. 
And I believe a lot of times in our life, that's what happens to us. We don't want to cry out to Jesus because we're afraid of what Aunt Susie might think. I'm telling you, there's times in your life you've got to get this attitude. I really don't care. I really don't care. And so this is where he's at. So they tell him, be quiet. Verse 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. Now this is always interesting to me. Here just previous, they're saying, shut up, dude. And when Jesus stands still and says, come here, man, they become his good friend. Hey, hey, buddy, he's calling you. You know what? People like that. When, when you get Jesus' attention, man, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like honey. They're going to come with you. They're going to say, man, that boy, he got God's attention. So he commands him to come. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. He rose and he came to Jesus. Now to me, this, this represents two things right here. Number one, that he surrenders. He surrenders to Jesus and he comes to him. Number two, this represents humility. Once again, I don't care what you think. I'm going to the Lord. I'm going after what I need. Now this is where it gets good right here. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, when you read that, you know what my thought is? Jesus, you've got to be kidding it's pretty obvious what he wants you to do for him. It's apparent he doesn't have a migraine headache. But when you read this, don't you think Jesus knew what he knew or what he needed? You know Jesus knew what he needed. And so the question arises to me right here tonight. Why did Jesus ask him, what do you want me to do for you? You know why he asked him? I believe there's two reasons. Number one is I believe Jesus was locating his faith. What do you mean by that? Well, remember what we read or said a minute ago. According to you, let it be unto you. As your faith is, so let it be unto you. So Jesus was locating Bartimaeus' faith. And some people would say, well, that doesn't matter. What difference does that make? Well, isn't it interesting that in, Mark, uh, in Matthew 13, I believe it's Matthew 13, 58 to be exact. It says that Jesus could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. So when there's unbelief, it turns Jesus off. So right here, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? So that's the first thing. I believe every one of us in this room, when we go to, go to the Lord, whether it's in prayer to ask to petition Him, am I in faith? If I, see, listen, if I'm not in faith, you know what I got to do? I got to go back to the Word. Faith comes by hearing, and I keep hearing the Word, and I, keep, and I get my mind, and I get my mouth in agreement. I keep speaking, I keep speaking, I keep speaking. But if I'm not in faith, guess what? You're not going to have your prayers. I'm not going to have my prayers answered. When you pray, believe you receive. So he asked that first of all. I believe he was locating his faith. The second thing I want you to see, and I've entitled this here, and I'm going to get into it more tonight, a little later. 
but big in the next coming weeks. The law of legality. The law of legality. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, why do we ask and why do we pray? So it's legal. So the things that we ask and pray are legal. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if I don't ask in the name of Jesus, God cannot move. And many people, they're going to stop and say, what do you mean? God can't move? That's what I say. He cannot move. Think about this with salvation. Does, is it God's desire? Is it God's will that every man goes to heaven, that none perish? Absolutely. That's what the scripture says. God's desire is that one man perish. But the only way that that does not happen is when we ask Jesus to come into my heart. If I don't ask, it cannot be legal. Think about this for a minute. If God could have stopped Adam from what he did in the garden, if he could have stopped him, don't you think he would have? Hmm. And so what happens is when we begin to ask, we now have given God permission to move in our lives. Remember, we are a free will being. God will not force you to do anything. He can't. And so right here, I believe, and I'm going to get on this just a little bit more tonight. I believe this, guys. He's locating his faith, and really he's saying, what do you give me permission to do in your life? See, that's what happens when we ask in Jesus' name. We say, oh, Father God, come in. Have you heal my body, Lord Jesus, move in my life. Now, look what happens here. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni or teacher, that I may receive my sight. And it's interesting here. Blind Bartimaeus spoke precisely what he needed. Precisely. That I may receive my sight. Do you think that ticked Jesus off? Well, look at his response when he said that in verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, he's specifically right now, look real close at that. Jesus didn't say his faith, Jesus' faith. Jesus said, Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. So here's what I see in this more and more. That Jesus is always the source. He was then and he is now. That never changes. He's the power source. How do you know that? Well, when the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment, Jesus perceived that power went around, out of him. It says that specifically in there. So Jesus is going around. Wherever Jesus is at, his power is available. How do we tap in? Once again, what did he say? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. What is faith? It's a knowing. It's I believe I receive. And so I believe every one of us, we can get to that point in our life where my prayer isn't hit and miss. That when I go to the Lord in prayer, I can have a confidence. But i got to locate my faith. 
i got to locate my faith. Sometimes, and you'll probably hear me do it more and more, when people ask me to pray, you know what I say? If Jason asked me to pray tonight, I'll look at him and say, what do you want me to pray? You know what I'm asking right there? Where's your faith at? What are you believing for? And many times if people say, well, I've had this stomach ache and I want you to lay hands on me and I, I hope I get healed tonight. Well, you know what I want to tell you? Just go on back to your seat. Because you know why? Here we go again. And I don't mean that ugly because I've said in my own life, I've prayed that before. Now, back to the law of legality. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke 12. How does this take place? Well, when God created man, Adam, God put man on the earth. And remember what God said to him? He said, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. So God, he invested all his authority into Adam, right? That's, what the, that's Genesis 1, Genesis 2. So when Adam sinned, when Adam gave in to the devil, all the authority, all the power that God had given to Adam was now transferred to the devil. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the apostle Paul refers to the devil as the God of this age. Now, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians 4.4, when it says that he refers to him as the God of this age, you'll see in that passage the letter G in God is little g. That's the devil. So what he's telling us here is, is that the devil then, he took over all the authority here on earth. So the law of legality for God to move on this earth, you know how he has to do it? Through mankind. Through mankind. How do you know that? Well, when he raised up Abraham, he went through a man to set his covenant. That was the Old Testament. When, when he moved in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, who did he use? He worked through a man named Jesus, his son, who came to the earth. Why did he send him to the earth? To make it legal. And guess what? God still works through men and women. You and me. Now some of you may be excited about that. Some of you say, oh me, oh me, help me. That's Matthew 16, 19. Jesus said, I give you the authority, I give you the keys. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever. So he's given us that. So everything that we do, guys, has to be legal here. Matthew or Luke chapter 12. Verse number, oh, let's start in just verse 22. Luke 12, 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat, nor about the body, what will you put on? Now, what I see here, everything he's talking about in this passage is provision. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, every bit of that's provision. If you don't have provision, you'll never walk in vision. Why? I'm going to spend my life worrying about how I'm going to get things. I've been there. Where, man, I mean, you work, you work, you work. All it is is got to have provision. i got to have provision. Jesus right here, he gives us a little tidbit here. That we don't have to worry. 
Now, jump with me for time's sake, old boy. Verse 33. Now, verse 31. Let's go to verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, what did he tell us right there? When I put the kingdom of God first, all these things, all the provision that I read a minute ago will be added to me. That's what he's telling every one of us in here. So there's, there's a comparison here of two kingdoms. I either do it God's way, and if I don't, I'm going to live a life that I'm going to worry, 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 worry. Verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, get that in your heart right now. Right there. Verse 32. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what that tells me? God wants to give you and me the kingdom. He wants to give every one of this. This. But in order for that to happen, it must be done legally. Correct? So, here's some things in here that the Lord really began to put on my heart when I pray over this. He started out and he said, fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. And so as I begin to look at that, and when I read the Bible, I'll say, Lord, what do you mean by that? When I came to the words there that says little flock, the reason he addressed it as little flock is I believe this, that he's saying, not many people will ever get a hold of this. Now he said that in Matthew 7 too in verse 13 when he described the two gates. One is wide, one is narrow. The ones who go in on the narrow gate, it's life, but he said few ever find it. Now, he's not saying these things are impossible, but he says right here, fear not, little flock. Now, when I saw the word fear, I began to think, okay, what is he saying? Fear not, little flock, for it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I believe he's telling us, don't fear what I'm fixing to tell you. Don't fear it. Don't freak out on this. What's he fixing to tell us? Verse 33. This is how you tap into the kingdom. And this is how you make it legal right here. Sell what you have and give alms. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Why would we fear on that? You know why we would fear? Because every one of us in this room have been in this boat at one time or another. And when it says, sell what you have and give, you know what most of us have said before? Lord, I don't even have enough for myself. I don't even have enough for myself, so how can I do this? This is why I believe he's saying, only few ever get this, because when we read stuff like this, we freak out. Are you kidding me, Father God? But you know what he's telling us here, I believe? There's a new system. There's a new way of doing things. And it's how the kingdom of God operates. So why do I have to give? Well, when I give, it changes kingdoms. When I hoard, it stays in this earth's curse system, guys. How do you know that? Well, this is where the Lord began to bring me back. Now think about this. When Jesus fed the 5,000... He said to his disciples, he said, boys, what do you got? And you remember their response was, 
All's we have is five loaves and two fish. In other words, it's surely not enough to feed the 5,000. And remember what Jesus said? Bring it to me or give it to me. And so when they gave it to Jesus, guess what happened? It changed kingdoms because they gave it. And remember what took place in there? Jesus blessed it. And Father God multiplied it. Now, this is big for each one of us. This is the law of legality. And I believe more and more this is why he's telling us these things, guys. That if I begin to get a hold of this, and I realize some of this, it may just freak you out. It may throw flags up. But it's the kingdom of God, God. I see right here, it's God's good pleasure to give us it. He doesn't want us to have to worry. Does that mean that I can retire and kick back the rest of my life? No, if you're able to work, work. But then I can look and I can say, okay, if I begin to have the heart of a giver, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to tap into the kingdom of God. Now, in the upcoming weeks, I'm going to get on the law of legality. And I'll tell you, it will either do one of two things. You will either shout and say, oh, praise the Lord. Or you'll say, oh, me. Oh, me. Now, to be honest with you guys, I've been on both sides of that coin. There's times in my life that I've said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I look over and over and over in the Bible. That when people gave, and it, it isn't how much you give. How do you know that? Well, think about the passage with the Shulamite woman. It said that Jesus sat at the offering, and he watched how they give. And this one woman gave a half a mite. And Jesus himself said, she's given more than they all have because she gave out of her poverty while the rest of them gave out of her abundance. So you know what I saw right there? When my, when my giving moves me, it gets Jesus' attention. But when I just tip the Lord, I'm going to tell you guys, when I begin to give and I give and it moves me, that's why I said some of you guys start giving things away. I mean, say, okay, Lord, why? It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Stand on your feet with me. And some of you are looking at me like you are crazy.